Hey there, welcome to Tea with Mara. Thanks for seeking out these recordings and listening. My name is George, or you may know me in the metaverse as Kiyoki from Together with Trip. These recordings are from my live sessions in virtual reality and may sometimes feature other content. For the best experience of these sessions, you can join me in virtual reality. But when you can't, or if you want to go back and listen again, these audio or video recordings will be offered freely to all. To join us in VR or for the live broadcast on our Discord server, you can find our full schedule of events by visiting trip.com events, including instructions on how to join us in VR. You can even join in 2D mode from a computer. If you wish to support my teachings and these recordings, the best way to do that is to leave a review and share this podcast with others. And if you find value in them and you want to, you can make a donation offering right through the Two Hands Sangha website or soon through the podcast itself. All links should be found in the show notes. Now let's invite the bell and begin. Good evening and welcome, and thank you guys for all being here tonight and practicing together tonight. Especially tonight, because tonight is going to be very beneficial, I hope, for everybody. Uh, Going into Monday's New Year's intention setting ceremony. I've got a list of questions I want to ask tonight. And these questions are to help you clarify for yourselves the things that you have to be grateful for in the last year related to your practice. Because next week we're going to do that intention setting ceremony. And, you know, for those who've been around for a while, you know that every year as is kind of a tradition, we often do these New Year's Eve intention setting ceremonies. For us this year, it will be a New Year's Day intention setting ceremony. And we do that instead of a New Year's resolution disappointment setting ceremony, (laughs) because New Year's resolutions are disappointing. Resolutions are recipes for creating and reinforcing a lot of that negative self-talk and, you know, feelings of failure and things like that. With resolutions, if you set a resolution to get in shape or to fix your finances or to work on your mental health. Uh, And then the very first time you skip a workout or spend too much on an Ultraman Buddha statue or skip a day of meditation, you know, you instantly might feel like a failure. You beat yourself up or you give up entirely. You say, well, maybe next year. So, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, and I really love the intention-setting idea. These intentions shift our effort and attention from a destination that we either reach or fail to reach to the journey, which might be fast or slow, but it always moves 
however fast, however quickly, it always moves in the direction toward that destination. It moves it from being a pass-fail situation to being a toward or away situation or a faster, slower <laughs> progress sort of thing. The problem is that if we're too, you know, if we're sort of pressed on the spot to come up with our intentions, we, or at least me, we tend to freeze up and just say, oh, you know, fitness, finance, and mental health, or I'm going to improve those things. You know, those are by far the top three most common resolutions. Obviously the fitness one is ranked number one all the time. So the week before or a few days before our intention setting ceremony, I thought I'd like to start planning for that and get everybody prepared for that and reflect on the previous year. And, you know, the Buddha encouraged us to reflect, right? You've heard me talk about that. And this year I decided to sort of document this framework so that we can use this every year and we can build on it and, and really dial it in, so to speak. And we can use this every year. So tonight, I'm just going to sort of very quickly summarize the basic core teachings of Buddhism for you. The very sort of simple list version, not with a lot of explanation. Because these questions are going to be tuned to those teachings. And I'll, I'll summarize those and then we'll plant some seeds. That's the idea. We're going to plant some seeds, uh, some questions that can grow and cultivate some intentions. Many of you have heard me often and just recently talk a lot about how the Buddha said we should reflect at the beginning, the middle, and the end, or before, during, and after everything that we do. So tonight we'll reflect, you know, after the year, the after part, <laughs> we're going to reflect on the previous year of practice. And, you know, the, the, the year of practice that we're finishing up with and we're going to sort of look back so that we might better find our way forward. So I'm going to talk us through these questions and I want you to let whatever happens happen. Don't worry about writing these down. Don't worry about thinking too much about it, especially don't worry about thinking too much about it. If answers come, just mentally note them and then you can write them down later if you want. It's not important that you get your answer right now. It's more important that you just sort of soak in the questions. And if you forget, that's totally fine. The effort is not to get these answered right now. It's just to plant that seed. It's almost better if you don't answer them right now. I'll provide a written list of all these questions as well, uh, as well as the recording for anyone who wishes to, to go back and actually sit down and write down your answers. So you'll have plenty of opportunity between now and Monday. And this is the first time I've done this. So it's a, it's a beginning for me as well. And just like our practice and everything else, these questions are impermanent because they'll evolve over time with our practice of them. So let's get to it. The, the, the core teachings of Buddhism is the three gems, the four noble truths, and the eightfold path. Those things, any school, any tradition of Buddhism that you practice, any, any variation of any tradition that you practice, 
they're going to have those things in common. Those are the core teachings of Buddhism that don't really change across schools and traditions. The three gems, the Four Noble Truths, and the Eightfold Path. The three gems are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha is, you know, when we talk about taking refuge in the first gem, uh, the, the gem of the Buddha, that's just, you know, understanding that there is a person, a human being like the rest of us, who verified that lasting happiness is achievable and possible for all of us. And just knowing that it can be done by anybody. And then the Dhamma or the Dharma, the teachings uh, that he verified, that he, that he then taught, as well as it also means reality. And the Sangha, the community of like-minded practitioners, in our case, together with Trip. There's the Four Noble Truths. The first Noble Truth is uh, Dukkha, dissatisfaction, and knowing that it exists. So in other words, acknowledging and understanding that this dukkha is here. It's part of our lives. And the second noble truth is that dukkha has a root cause that can be known. You can, you can uh, find the root cause of your suffering. The third noble truth is that now that you've found the root cause of your suffering, there's a way to find relief or relinquishment of that suffering. And that that way is the fourth noble truth, which is uh, the way of the middle path, the eightfold path. And it's this degree to which you cultivate these eight practices in your life is the degree to which you'll find relief from that suffering. It's all pretty basic and simple. It's nothing mystical. And it, it doesn't matter what your religion is or what your beliefs are or any of that. You can use this if you're a Christian, if you're Jewish, if you, you know, whatever your faith is or is not, these uh, practices can help you. And you can also do them in a way that suits your spirituality. If you're a Christian, for example, uh, meditation can uh, be thought of as prayer. The Eightfold Path is wise view, wise intention, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, wise effort, wise mindfulness, and wise concentration. And sometimes you'll hear all of those as right livelihood or right concentration. I prefer to use the word wise. So that's the three gems, the four noble truths, and the eightfold path. These questions that we're going to go over tonight are going to hopefully clarify for you how far you've come with what you've learned in the previous year of your practices, whatever those were, whatever you've done, whatever that is. Please don't introduce any judgment into this. Don't say to yourself, oh, well, I didn't meditate hard enough or I didn't try hard enough. That's just judgment. That's just the judging mind, the comparing mind. We don't need to worry. That's not part of our path. Judgment is not something that we indulge in in the dharma so let's begin with these questions now and treat them as a meditation go ahead and take a nice deep breath and a long slow exhale and let go into whatever posture you like finding a way that's comfortable for you to sit in 
or relax in. We really want this to be comfortable. You don't need to stress about it or try to be constricted up into some posture. This isn't going to be a typical meditation. None of mine usually are, of course. I'm going to go over these questions as though they're a contemplation. So you don't need to try hard to answer them. You just need to listen. Let them let the words wash over you. Let the questions wash over you. If something comes up, note it and let it go. You know, if you know, don't worry about trying to remember or answer. And then I'll post all of this audio and the questions in text format later on. So, um, again, hopefully these questions are going to help you clarify, you know, how you how you've come along in the last year with your practice, whatever that looks like. Or to put it another way, they might help you. Put your pin on the map of where you are in your practice. So again, just let these questions and my voice be a guided meditation for you. Just relax and listen. You can close your eyes if it's comfortable for you. I think that's a good way to let this kind of wash over you. And you can take as long as you like with these questions, so you don't need to feel the need to answer them right now. In the last year, as you've listened to Dharma talks and attended meditations with the community or on your own, as you've embodied things that we've talked about in here in your daily lives to whatever extent, in what way did the idea of this man known as the historical Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, the awakened one, in what way did the idea of him, because maybe you don't even believe in this person, that he existed. In fact, we don't even know that he did. So how did the idea of this person, who's known for achieving this state of awakening and lasting happiness, how did that inform and motivate you in the last year? What did the Buddha mean to you? And there's no wrong answer. When you reflect on the last year, which of the teachings inspired you or transformed your practice or informed your practice the most? Things like the teaching on the importance of community or Sangha. Maybe it was finding the root cause of your suffering, or maybe it was impermanence. Which of these things that we talked about this last year really stands out to you and really resonated with how you needed to work with it in your life? How did you contribute to or benefit from 
the community that you practice with or communities that you practice with? How did the Sangha, the community, benefit from your practice? And how did you benefit from their practice? That can be a really helpful one. What suffering did you identify in your life that you worked on this year? It's not fun to look back at our suffering, but it's, it's informative. It's, it's, it's how we can see where we've come, you know, and where we need to go. And these questions, by the way, when I post them, they'll come with a second set of questions, which looks ahead. So it's kind of the mirror image of this. So instead of looking back at what informed, we might look forward at what informs. So what suffering did you identify in your life that you made some progress with, that you worked on? Those two are can be mutually exclusive, but don't have to be. You may have worked on it, but not had a lot of progress. You may have progressed a lot, but not worked that hard on it. Maybe you did both. Were you able to find or to what degree did you progress in the finding of the root causes of your suffering? In the last year, when you practice with different problems that you had, when you sat with your suffering, which is what we do in meditation, When we meditate, and this is why many people don't like to do it, (laughs) when we meditate, we tend to, whether we like it or not, we tend to have to face our suffering. That's why it's such a difficult practice that people come to and then leave and then come back again. Because it works. It's uncomfortable, but it works. It works because it's uncomfortable. Nothing easy ever uh, does much for us. The discomfort is where the growth happens. Being able to slowly and gently sit with our suffering, notice and get intimately familiar with it to the point that we begin to see, oh, That suffering is not a thing. It's a result. And that result is the result of causes and conditions. And I can see that those causes and conditions are X, Y, Z, whatever they are. And then sometimes you have to dig further than that. Oh, okay, well, what were the causes and conditions of that? And of that? And of that? But eventually you get to the root cause. Or at least you eventually get to the point where it doesn't even matter what the root cause is. You know enough (laughs) to work with it.
Are there any ways in which you were able to clearly see or know, not believe, but know through your own direct, verifiable experience? Are there any ways in which you were able to know that these things are impermanent and that there is a way to end them? Referring to your suffering. Were you able to see that your suffering also is impermanent? And that there's a way to end them or let go of them? And how or to what extent did you embrace that solution? The Eightfold Path. How much time in your life, how much... And it's really not about time because it can happen very quickly or it could take a long time. But how much you know, energy went into uh, cultivating a path of less harm and less suffering and cultivating lasting happiness. And based on the answers to all of the questions up until now, how have you observed these things shaping your understanding of situations in your life? And what are some of the areas where your view improved on a situation because of these? In other words, with all of the stuff you've thought of so far, what areas of your life Did you make some, you know, sort of movement forward with maybe a broken relationship got mended or maybe a relationship needed to end and ended? Maybe healing began. Maybe some balance was achieved. How were you able to use all of that information from the previous question to shape and enhance your intention so that you could meet your suffering in the last year? In other words, that last question was about your view, everything that shaped your worldview, so to speak. How were you able to use that view to... inform your intentions last year? Did it? Did you use wise view or whatever amount of wise view we have? Because we never have 
full wise view. Thich Nhat Hanh described wise view as every view. And we don't have every view in most situations. Maybe all situations. But whatever your view was, how did you use it to inform your intentions as you moved through the last year? What are some of the specific ways that your speech last year caused and or eased harm in the last year, shaped by your answers to all those questions, especially the one before it? How did your intention shape your speech last year? And did that speech more often lead to less harm? Or did that speech quite often cause harm? For all of us, it will be somewhere in the middle. (laughs) If it's a spectrum, we'll be somewhere in that spectrum. Nobody is always saying the wrong thing. Nobody is always saying the right thing. So how did your your view and intention shape your speech? And did it move you toward or away from lasting happiness? How did those same things cause or ease harm in the area of your actions last year? Did you do a lot of things that were kind and caring and loving and uh, joyful? Or did you do a lot of things that didn't move in those directions? Or both. Again, the reminder not to judge yourself for it. This is an evaluation so that you can uh, move the needle in the direction you want. Not something for you to beat yourself up for. One of the most beautiful things about the Dharma path is that there's no judgment built into it. I grew up as a Catholic and there's a lot of a lot of judgment that I felt as a child. And one of the things I love about the Dharma is that there is no need for judgment. It's not even a, it's not even important. It's just not a part of the path. It doesn't serve it in any way. It's not part of our practice. Part of our practice is to let go of that judgment. How did you uh, use your work in your life? And maybe in a broader sense of that question, how did you show up in life? Uh, How did you contribute to causing or easing harm in the world last year? Do you work in a job that promotes lasting happiness in the world? Or do you work in a job that supports harm? It's a really interesting 
topic wise livelihood because the Buddha had a very specific list of occupations you absolutely should not do. I won't get into that tonight, but he had a list of occupations that you absolutely should not do. But on the broader scale, the broader way of looking at this is like with all of your speech and actions, that creates your livelihood. In other words, how you show up in this world. And did how you show up in this world, including your job, because your speech and actions, at least a third of your time are spent at your job, did your work move you toward or away from lasting happiness? And sometimes when people hear about wise livelihood, they suddenly get sort of uh, panic-stricken. <laughs> they think, oh no, I, I work in this industry that's terrible. I have to quit my job. You don't have to quit your job. I'll tell you a secret. There aren't many jobs out there that don't involve some harm in the world. The same way that when you take a precept, which we will offer on Monday, by the way, when you take the precepts and one of the precepts, the first and most important precept is to not cause harm. The reason you take it as an intention to not cause harm, just like the intention setting is not a resolution, you don't resolve to not cause harm because guess what? You just failed. Instantly you failed. You cannot breathe air without causing harm in the world. Little microbes and bacteria and things like that die every time you take a breath. When you drive down the street, no matter how careful you are, you're killing bugs. So you can't not cause harm, but you very much can intend to cause as little harm as possible. Intend to cause no harm while knowing that it's impossible to prevent. So if you work in a job that you know causes some harm somewhere, what you can do is find ways that you can cause as little harm as possible. Whatever job you do, there are ways you could do it better. Cause less harm. And if it bothers you, if it concerns you, then you should consider uh, finding some other path. If you can, and if you can't, you have to Play the cards you're dealt. That's a whole Dharma talk on its own. <laughs> in what ways, informed by all of these questions, have you actively cultivated positive, wholesome states of mind while preventing or overcoming unwholesome states of mind? 
And wholesome and unwholesome means leading towards or leading away from lasting happiness. In what ways have you cultivated those things? Or put another way, how has your practice or effort led toward lasting happiness or away from it? How has it eased your suffering or not? How have you practiced staying present and aware of each moment? This is mindfulness, not judging it, just being present and aware of it, observing your thoughts and emotions without attachment or identification. Through that cultivation into your uh, practice, how have you brought forth that practice into your daily routine and your interactions? With all of the answers to all of these previous questions in mind, letting those lift and support your whole practice in all ways, how has all of this helped you cultivate and deepen your practice in the last year? In other words, in the last year, how did your practice help you deepen your concentration? So just in the last moments of this period here, you know, letting those questions just roll through. No need to think about them or, you know, try too hard to come up with answers or anything like that right now. You can read the questions later on. I'll post them. You can answer them if you want to, or you can disregard them all. It's up to you. Maybe you don't care about any of the intention-setting stuff. (laughs) That's okay, too. But if you do, hopefully these questions just stirred the pot a little bit. My wife, after Christmas dinner the other night, she made a turkey purely for herself. (laughs) Because I don't eat turkey. So she made a turkey, and then she took everything that was left and put it in a big crock pot and made a stew and has had it sitting and simmering in the slow cooker. In much that same way uh, as that slow cooker created this presumably delicious soup or stew that she's made. I wouldn't know. (laughs) But in the same way that that process occurred, hopefully this process of asking yourself these questions, you know, without feeling the need to answer them right now. Hopefully it stirred the pot just the same way that I had to stir the pot for her every once in a while with that stew. Everything settling, settling in, taking individual ingredients and creating this new dish that will become our practice in 2024.
You're still here? It's over. Go practice. Go. Chickala.